either Jesus is Lord of all, of all the areas of your life, or he's not Lord at all. Amen. Well, it's an honor to stand before you today and to get together on the Lord's Day. <laughs> That's what Sunday is, it is the Lord's Day. And uh, just about us giving our very best to our Almighty God. Well, of course, it's great that we have officially started the church here in Stockholm now, amen. And, uh, and of course, just uh, being able to get together last week, uh, the beautiful uh, Reddit and Blue Royal Viking, and, and really just seeing all the, all the people who came, which really just shows how much God wants to do here in Stockholm, Sweden. Of course, having visitors from the US, from London, from Amsterdam, and really just seeing all the people who came, even for the first time, just to be able to be part of what God is wanting to do here in Sweden and in Scandinavia. So, so it's really a very faith building uh, to see just how much God believes in us and really how great things God wants to do. Of course, this is just a tiny fraction of the movement that we are part of, which currently is more than 10,000 disciples all around the world. And again, it's a tiny group here, but we're building things up, <laughs> you know, so that we can grow out of this small venue. <laughs> And, and just really build, build things up so that we can move on to bigger places with, with more, more people. And that's all going to come down to our faith, which really is what the sermon today is about. The title for today is, The Righteous Will Live by Faith. Wow. We can turn to Romans chapter 1. The righteous will live by faith. The letter to the Romans, it's an incredible letter here in the New Testament. And again, really sh showing, it, it, it has been referred to as the mini gospel. <laughs> because you basically have everything here pertaining to, to the gospel of God. Uh, and again, it really just shows in many ways the, the heart of God. As we start out here in Romans 1, we can start in verse 1. And it reads, Paul, a servant. Of Christ Jesus. Called to be an apostle. And set apart for. The gospel of God. And again Paul. Although being an apostle. He refers to himself as a servant. And really before we are anything else. Bible talk leaders. Singers. Interns. Cyber ministry. We are servants of Jesus Christ. And we are called. To do great things for God. So he was a servant. And he understood, okay, that's who I am. That's my identity. But then again, God is calling me to do things for him. And he was called to be an apostle. And he says that he was set apart for the gospel of God. Now, what does the gospel mean? Good news. Because through the power of God, through the scriptures, we always have good news. When you, when you open the newspaper, what do you see? Bad news. I was just, uh, you know, on a train the other day and seeing somebody read the newspapers and like, Somebody being shot, like somebody's like, I'm like, this is bad news, you know. And when it's like, fill yourself with like bad news, you can just get depressed really quickly. So we all need some good news in our lives, amen. And that is the gospel. It is good news. It says in verse 2, the gospel, or good news, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And again, Paul is writing to the Europeans, <laughs> the ones in Rome. What do the Europeans need to hear about? Well, like, we want to hear about salvation, which is true. We need to hear about it. But Paul is writing about Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, what do the Europeans need to hear? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. What is a Lord? It means a master. It means a controller. And we're like, no, no, we, we, we want to hear about Jesus, our Savior. And he goes, no, you Europeans, you're way too liberal, way too independent. You need to hear about the Lordship of Jesus. <laughs> you see, either Jesus is Lord of Paul, of all the areas of your life, or he's not Lord at all. And you can either say, yes, Lord, or you can say, no. But you cannot say, no, Lord, <laughs> because that would mean that he's no longer Lord. You see, Jesus wants to be our master. So that what, what your king says, that's what you do. For Jesus to be your savior, you have to make him Lord. Verse 5. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. You see, if you have real faith, you will also be obedient to the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we talk about love languages. What, what makes you feel loved? Which have been divided into words of affirmation. People just give you, telling you positive things. <laughs> Physical touch. Some people enjoy the hugs, enjoy the closeness. Uh, I'm more that way, my, my wife is less so, you know, so we have kind of different, uh, different love languages there. Uh, quality time, we both appreciate quality time, though, that we get to spend together. You don't necessarily have to be doing so much, but you're just spending time together. Gifts and acts of service. Okay, just, I'm encouraged when people serve me. <laughs> Some people are like that. Now, okay, okay, we, we, got, we got one in the crowd at least. Now, what is God's love language? Obedience. And the parents in this room understand it very, very well. <laughs> of course, God has blessed Ashley and myself with two wonderful boys, Oliver. Uh, he's going to turn uh, five, actually, in the month of March. And Everett, who is uh, almost three and a half now. And Everett used to say, uh, can't catch me. Can't catch me. And then he runs away. You know, he, he wants me to catch him. Uh, of course, I always catch him. Can't catch me. And, and that, that, that can be like with us and God sometimes. We think that God won't catch us. But God will always catch us. <laughs> Even when you're trying to run away, okay? There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. <laughs> Anyhow, when it's, when it's time to put on the clothes, okay? Now it's, now it's no, no longer playtime, okay? Can't catch me? No, no. Don't, it's no, no time for me to running after you. Come here. <laughs> We're going to put on your clothes. So, so there is a time to play. There is a time to obey. You're cute and everything, but disobedience is not cute. So again, what is God's love language? Obedience. Verse 6. And it says, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And as, as I was reading this, I understood that this is written to the Romans, that is, Italians. Right? People from Italy. And, and, and if the Italian, uh, sorry, if the ancient Romans were anything like the Italians today, I mean, you know how the Italians are. <laughs> I mean, super loud, super animated. I remember studying Swedish and there were a couple of uh, Italian ladies there. And you know, like you, you speak Swedish and everything is like normal. Then I switch to Italian. And they're like all hands come. Oh, 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 like, I'm like, what, 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 what just happened? <laughs> you know, did the, uh, the Italian side come out? 
you know, of course you have the, the keep calm shirts. And of course the Italian one says, I can't keep calm, I'm Italian. So, so it's a different, different concept there. And they go like, wow, like this is the people that uh, Paul is actually writing to. To those in Rome, to the Italians. <laughs> Fiery, loud, animated people. So let it to the Romans. We need that in, in, in Northern Europe big time. So that's awesome. And it says, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord, Jesus Christ. And you notice just how much Paul used the word God. Verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God. And it says, grace and peace to you from God. Actually, God appears in Romans 154 times in the NIV translation. So every 61st word in the letter is God. So Paul is just writing, God, 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 God. <laughs> Which means that Europeans need to hear about God. Because if you don't hear about God, you forget about God. So we need to hear about God, amen? And it says in verse 8, first, I thank my God. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. And I pray that God for you is my God. As Paul is writing here. Not just the God that other people believe in. The God that Caspar preaches. That God is my God for you. That you have a, your own personal walk with God. And he says that your faith is being reported all over the world. You see how encouraging Paul is? I mean, we, we got to learn to be encouraged. And, and that really is the example that we see in the scriptures. And I know that people from all around the world, they were encouraged by our inaugural service. Because to see the church established here in Stockholm, Sweden, it gives hope to very, very many people. Uh, and again, so many were encouraged by it. Of course, in Hebrews 3, it says in 12 and 13, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So again, actually, when we encourage, that helps our hearts. So, so when you're feeling down, when you're feeling just like off, and then you start encouraging others, and you see actually people being lifted up, uh, again, it, that, that helps your heart to not be hard. <laughs> because we think, well, I need encouragement, which is true. But again, the Bible doesn't command, you know, you must be encouraged. It's no, 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 you, you encourage others daily. And that actually helps your own, own heart. So that we would not get hard-hearted. So that we would not get bitter. You know, we don't want to be that old, old bitter person that nobody likes. You know, I mean, bitter people who are old, they used to be bitter people who were young. Who never dealt with their bitterness, okay? Th that, let, non, let that not be us so that we can deal with our, our, our sin. And encourage. To see, you have the power to encourage. You have the power to tear down. But when you choose to encourage, that helps you have a soft heart before God. Verse 9. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. So Paul, he had the Romans in his prayers. When you love somebody, you pray for them. You want a better leader? Pray for the one you have. Are you guys praying for me? I, I, need, I need a lot of prayer, guys. I need a lot of prayer. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, lot of prayer. Because 
it's, it's been awesome to see God working. But when God is working, Satan is lurking. And again, Satan is not, not happy. Not happy that Julie got baptized. Satan's not happy at all about that. Not happy for all the people who came for inaugural, 40, uh, 45 non-disciples visiting us. Again, Satan is not happy. So, so, so again, there is a lot of satanic attacks. And we've got we to gotta pray for each other. It's a spiritual war that is going on. And when it drop down to verse 14, it reads, I am obligated, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And here we see the three I am statements of Romans 1. Paul is saying in verse 14, I am obligated. He says in verse 15, I am so eager. <laughs> and then, then he says in 16, I am not ashamed. So how about you repeat after me? I am obligated. I am eager. I am not ashamed. I pray that's your heart today. Oh, yeah. And he says that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone who believes. And he says first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Really, what was Paul's heart in Romans? It was to unify the Jews and the Greeks. The Jews and the Gentiles. If you will, those who had come to faith first. And those who were new to the faith. Of course, also for us, we got some old schoolers in the house. I know Eric serving in Kiss Kingdom today, he was Baptist in 18, sorry, 19. <laughs> Not so old, but he was born, uh, he was uh, baptized 1989, okay? Wow. 1989. I mean, some of us, we didn't exist in 1989. I was like two years old. And can you imagine to live as a faithful disciple since 1989? Wow. Again, that's, that's an example, uh, which very, very few people actually have have had that level of loyalty to God. So you got some old schoolers, and then you got some, some baby disciples, like Julia, who was just recently baptized, amen. And of course, those who have been in the faith a long time, they have seen a lot. They have seen churches collapse, people fall away from God, and they've been hurt many times. And then the young ones come, I'm the future, I'm here to take over. And the older ones go, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my faith. How long have you been faithful? What, three years? I've stayed faithful through a whole movement collapsing. And, and you're struggling your face off and doubting Jesus Christ after you have to give one special missions contribution. I mean, I've, I've given special missions 20 years and done it faithfully. How about you? And then the young ones come, yeah, but when is the last time you were personally fruitful? I just don't, don't see your zeal. You stated to Radical 20 years ago, but what about now? Our glory days should be now and it should be in the future. So stuff like that, you know. So, so Paul wanted to make sure that the church was unified, amen. Both to the Jews and to the Gentiles, okay. That must have, may have been in Paul's heart. Okay, so it says in verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So let's get to our lesson here. I got three points for you today. 
First of all, the power of the gospel. The second point, you can't live by faith unless you're righteous. Third point, the righteous will die by faith. So let us get to our first point, the power of the gospel. You see, when Paul is writing in verse 16, he says that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And the word power in the Greek is the word dynamis, which means power, might, strength, or force or ability. Of course, the dynamite was invented by the Swedish man, <laughs> Alfred Nobel, born in Stockholm in 1833. And his task was to harness the explosive power of nitroglycerin in a way that was safe to handle. And in fact, the compound is so volatile that in 1864, at a factory right here in Sweden, Stockholm, there was an explosion where sadly Alfred's younger brother died. And one French newspaper mistakenly thought that it was Alfred himself who had died in the explosion. And they entitled his obituary, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And the newspaper accused him of becoming rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before. And Alfred, I mean, he must have been shocked <laughs> to, to, to read that, that message that was ascribed to him and that legacy. And, okay, is that really how I want the history to remember me? The merchant of death? I want a better, leg a better legacy than that. So, of course, he created the Nobel Prizes, which is the legacy that we actually know him by. And in his will, Alfred Nobel, he set aside 94% of his assets for the Nobel Prizes, awarded to those who, during the preceding year, have confirmed the greatest benefit to mankind. The awards were awarded then in the fields of physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature, and peace. And initially, dynamite used to be called Nobel's blasting powder. <laughs> and later he changed the name to dynamite. Where from? From this very Greek word, dynamis. So what then is the gospel of God? It is the dynamite of God. That is what the gospel is. It brings death to who we used to be and gives life to us as new creations. That is the dynamite. So do you understand the power of the gospel? Do you remember what the gospel has set you free from? How for the first time you managed to overcome pornography and sexual addictions? How you managed to stop smoking? How the gospel obliterated your depression, the doubts in your identity, your unforgiveness, your cowardice, the things you were never able to overcome. So don't tell me that the dynamite of God isn't powerful enough to obliterate your self-deprecating thoughts, negativity, impurity, your sadness, your excuses, your sin, because that is the power of the gospel, that is the power of God, the dynamite of God. And we are here to bring that explosive power overall in Sweden and overall in Scandinavia. Let me ask you, who are you impacting with the gospel right now? If you are a Christian in this room, are you currently studying the Bible with a non-Christian? Find someone to study the Bible with so that you can bring the power of the gospel to impact someone's life. You see, evangelism heals all diseases. Even this couple of days ago, I was dealing with some pretty heavy, discouraging stuff. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And I'm, I'm just like, I just need to go out to share my faith. Because like when you start feeling, feeling down, you, you just feel awful. So I, I need to share my faith. And again, it, it was awesome because it really helped my heart. 
You see, not only do non-Christians need evangelism, we need evangelism <laughs> for our own heart. As followers of Christ, it, it heals you, it helps you. So who is the next person whose life will be changed through the power of the gospel? The power of God can do supernatural things. Second point, you can't live by faith unless you're righteous. Because right after he makes this very powerful statement at the end of verse 17, that the righteous will live by faith, he goes into unrighteousness and addressing that. Because you cannot really live by faith if you are unrighteous. We can continue verse 18. And it reads, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So according to the Bible, there is no such thing as an atheist. <laughs> because God has made himself plain through his own creation. And since the creation, the universe exists, there must be a God, because the universe doesn't create itself. So what is the real issue is the fact that we suppress the truth by our wickedness. So we know what the truth is, but again, then we just keep sinning it up, and we lose sight of the obvious. I mean, as a child, when I was stealing, when I was lying something, may have been like a chewing gum or something small, I, I felt terrible. I'm like, okay, like everybody's eyes on me. <laughs> like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I've really messed up, you know. But, but then you, 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 you keep sinning. Same thing with lies. And you, and you keep lying 10th time, 20th time, 50th time, 100th time. Yeah, it used to be completely wrong to start off with, but now it's the norm. Everybody does that, I guess it's fine. Do you see that by the wickedness, you just harden your heart. And you lose sight of the obvious. So that is biblically what atheism is. Because God has made himself plain to them. It's only our wickedness that suppresses that truth. Verse 21. And Gustav, of course, was a former atheist. Amen. Not anymore. <laughs> he dealt with his wickedness. Okay, verse 21. It reads, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But the thinking became futile, and the foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You see, when you don't worship God, other things become your idols. And they take the place of God. The, uh, the righteous will live by faith. The unrighteous will live by sight. Because we go, give me the evidence. What is the proof? I don't want to have faith. I want to have evidence. But that's the issue. You don't want to have faith. What does God want to see? He wants to see faith. And God blesses faith. So again, if you go, the universe created itself. Believe it if you can. But again, it, it, it's a deeper issue. It's a sin issue. It's a hard issue, not an intellectual one. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the se sinful desires of the hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised in the church yet. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. 
Even the women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. You see, when we want to live in sin, what does God do? He gives us over to our sin. Okay, you don't want to follow the truth. You want to sin. You're free to do so. So God just gives us over so that we keep sinning it up. And again, that will lead to the downward spiral of moral uh, degradation and destruction. And even studying uh, out the Roman world, I mean, it was saturated by sin. If you were a free Roman male, you could basically sexually abuse anybody you wanted who was of lower status as a sign of dominance. Females of lower standing also are the males. Pedophilia was rampant. And that is how far you get if you don't put a stop to your sin. And you continue on the downward spiral of destruction. Homosexuality was encouraged amongst the Roman legionnaires so that they would fight harder for the other men they were being intimate with. It was encouraged. There was a former atheist by the name of Tom Holland. Not the Spider-Man actor, okay? It's a, it's a different guy. And, and he was a historian who actually studied out Rome. And he asked himself the question, how is it that the Roman Empire was so radically different from the society nowadays? And his conclusion was that it was in fact the impact of Christianity on the Roman Empire that changed the society to uh, resemble what we see today. So that what we see today, we find as relatable. But back then, it was very, very different. So it was, it was the Christians who actually changed the whole Roman Empire. And that conclusion actually helped this historian to go from being an atheist to having faith in Jesus. So you see, God's word is the foundation. But we hear so many different ideas and ideologies which we're being confused by every single day. And when Adam and Eve sinned, God asked Adam, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you can change? Who told you that you are born that way? You see, attraction doesn't have to be action. <laughs> and even if you are born this way, you can be born again. Who told you you cannot change? Who told you, who told you that? Those words come from some place and not from God. We have the power of the gospel. Verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So again, Paul, I mean, he was straight to the point. <laughs> he wasn't mincing his words. You see, we got to preach against sin, no matter who gets offended. I mean, people get, can get offended at the most random stuff. I remember going to London, and I was having my, uh, my first meeting with, uh, with Michael Williamson, who leads the church here. Of course, he was, um, uh, uh, he was here visiting uh, last week. And again, uh, we were just standing uh, close to the station towards the end of the, our time together, and there was an, an Englishman coming in a suit. And again, he was walking next to the wall. And again, he just starts pushing Michael out of the way. 
I'm walking to the station next to the wall and you are in my way. I mean, people can get offended at the most random stuff. I mean, isn't it crazy? So people are just looking for something or someone to be angry at. And if you want to, you will. <laughs> you will find something. Sometimes we get angry at the preacher. We focus on the messenger rather than the message itself. But maybe there is a reason why something touched you. <laughs> maybe God is trying to point out an area for you to grow in. I mean, I, I pray that we're caught by something in this lesson. <laughs> because if we're not caught by anything, you, you have a hard heart. I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure you said I have a hard heart. I mean, okay. Do you go to God with the things that you're touched by? Or do you go to people as your first resort? In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. People cannot handle some of the stuff you got going on in your heart. The most diabolical thoughts from the pit of hell. I mean, peop people are not made to, made to take that. <laughs> God can take it. So some stuff people cannot take, but God can. So do you take your stuff to God? Because sometimes people come and it's like, and th there's like just so much going on in the hearts. And I'm like, are you, are you actually praying? Because it, you, you don't sound like you're at peace. So what do you want me to do for you? I'm not God. I cannot just take away your, your thoughts or your, you know, God can. So we've got to go to God. And really, I want to challenge you. Don't share about your sin. Share about your repentance. <laughs> because why are you talking about it if you haven't repented? Sharing other people's sins against you? You're in sin. That's gossip. And don't, don't bring me into your sin. Talking about other people's sins against you. Matthew 18 is clear. Someone sinned against you. You go and you talk to the person first. You get resolved. Don't talk about your discipler, about the sins that somebody else has committed towards you if you haven't spoken to them first. If you cannot get resolved, okay, bring somebody else in. Of course, some have called this the Sisters Information Network, <laughs> abbreviated SIN, SIN. Not only sisters do that, though, brothers do it too, okay? So we, we got to be righteous. And there is no place for gossip in, in God's kingdom. We got to protect each other's hearts. Some of us never have any conflicts. You're in sin. You aren't close to other disciples, which means you don't really care about them. Otherwise, you would actually address the real issues. You're too much of a coward to speak the truth to help someone. Some people are constantly in the middle of a conflict with somebody, <laughs> like all the time. Trust me, it's not them, it's you. <laughs> As they say, Tom's got a problem with John. Tom's got a problem with Bill. Tom's got a problem with Tim. Tom's got a problem. It's not them, it's you. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So God wants us to be peacemakers. James 3, 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So we've got to promote peace. So if you are in an unresolved conflict with somebody, get resolved today. Your relationships with people are a reflection of your relationship with God. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love the brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Sorry, cannot love God whom they have not seen. So you're giving up on people because in fact you're giving up on God. Your, all of your horizontal issues are vertical issues. Reflection of your relationship with God. You can't be close to God and far away from your brother or sister. 
So again, we've got to have faith for our relationship. We're going to get this old. We're going to get through this. I'm not going to give up on you. How is your purity? I just spoke to a brother the other day. Yeah, you've lost it, but you haven't confessed it to anyone. Again, we've we got to confess the things to one another. James 5.16. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul tells Timothy to fight the battle well. Verse 19, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. You see, not having a clear conscience, it shipwrecks your faith. So the righteous will live by faith. Today are the righteous. So you have a clear conscience. Because there is no way you will have faith if you're not righteous. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And really, that was my, my time in London. Because there was so much sin that I had shoved under the carpet and not dealt with. And again, sin, what it does is that it blocks your growth. So I wasn't able to grow until I had dealt with my sin. And thank God for other men of God and women in our life. Uh, Michael and Michelle, they helped me. Kobe and Rebecca helped me as well. So again, I was able to deal with the sin and start growing again. So again, it's not about just confessing your sin, but confessing and renouncing. Meaning you confess and you repent. So let us get open. Let us repent today so that we can have a clear conscience, so that we can start living by faith again. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Lastly, the righteous will die by faith. The righteous will die by faith. Because it's not about only becoming a disciple. It's about staying faithful for the rest of your life. We know that when Moses led the people out of Egypt... How many people did he lead out? Roughly two million. <laughs> How many made it to the promised land? Two. Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them died in the wilderness. But they were the men of faith. The righteous will die by faith. Verse 15. John 21 verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, John of, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to you, indicates the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And when you read this passage, the English doesn't really do much honor to the text. Because, of course, wh when Jesus is asking Peter the question, do you love me, he uses the word agape, <laughs> the, the, the Greek word agapao, which is a commitment-based love. Again, when you are married, you don't give up on the relationship as soon as you have an issue, okay? 
because you're committed to your spouse. It's commitment-based love. Because feelings come, feelings go. <laughs> then they come again, then they go again. But again, commitment can remain. So Jesus is asking, do you love me? Are you committed to me? And, and actually, when Peter answers, he says, you know, that I, I phileo you. Which comes, again, the, the Greek word phileo or philos. I have friendly feelings toward you. Yeah, you're, you're my friend. Are you committed to me? Well, you, you know I'm your friend. I got, I, I got friendly feelings toward you. And that's why the third time that Jesus asked him, do you love me? He used the same word. Are you my friend? God wants us to not only become disciples, but to stay faithful. And again, falling away is really the most evil thing you can do. Because when you decide to not obey the gospel, that really is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Which means the blasphemy against the message of the Holy Spirit. Because if you refuse to follow the Bible, God cannot forgive you. And that is the only unforgivable sin. So really, Jesus, he, he died for you. You remember when he first became a disciple? When nothing else mattered? Not if you're going to be dating. Not how much money you're going to make. Not how other people treat you. But just because you, you were saved, you became a disciple. You remember your initial relationship with God. Because really the, the call is to keep this relationship alive and keep loving God to the very end. Just remind us of that Jesus died for you. And when you understand that somebody took their place for you, somebody died for you, we don't have any excuses left. Yeah, but I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, but somebody died for you. Oh, but I'm feeling tired. But somebody died for you. Again, we got to come back to the cross of Christ. So do you love him enough? To stay faithful to him. To stay committed to the rest of your life. And it's been so amazing to see souls get saved. Of course, when we were uh, in South London, we saw many, many incredible, incredible baptisms. But also, even just to see the restoration. The people who had walked away from God. But you, who came back. And again, th they're both equally encouraging. Because the Bible says when somebody repents, the angels are rejoicing. Because somebody got a relationship with, with back, uh, God back. So really, my encouragement to you today, fight for a relationship with God. The righteous will live by faith. So let us share the power of the gospel. The dynamite that will impact people's hearts. Let us deal with any unrighteousness in our lives so that we can live by faith. And let us make the decision to stay faithful for the rest of our lives. So that we can be the righteous men and women who die by faith. Thank you. To God be all the glory. I'm going